Pentecostal Resurrection Sunday. Amen. I'm going to ask that the teenagers in these first two rows as needed will give up their seats for adults and families. So any of the teenagers there, if you need to give up your seat, you can. And you can join me here on the, uh, the floor by, you know, grabbing a seat. We're going to make some room. Can I hear an amen? Amen. How many know teenagers can grab a seat on the carpet? It ain't no thing, right? That's nothing for them. I'm glad you all came to church. You glad to be here? Amen. Resurrection Sunday. It's our Super Bowl. It's what Christians are all about. All you have to do to your friends right now, your Muslim friend, is say, uh, hey, where's your Muhammad? Because my Jesus is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. I guess the only ones clapping are the ones that are sassy. The rest of y'all ain't going to do that. Say to your Buddhist friends, hey, where's your Buddha, man? Where's your Buddha? That statue right there, that dude that lived and was buried over here somewhere in Tibet or, you know, Nepal, wherever. My Jesus is alive. Meditate on him. Amen? Y'all don't want to have that. Y'all don't want a Super Bowl for Jesus. We're the winners. There are winners and losers. All religions aren't the same. Don't let people lie to you and tell you that. There's only one running religion, if you're going to call it that. It's really a relationship, and that's what Jesus Christ is, death, burial, and resurrection. Now, you might say to yourself, Pastor, why do you have to mess with them? Why? Because I want them to go to heaven. How many want people to be winners? Amen. Jesus loves losers. How many used to be a loser? You didn't have Christ. How many have Jesus? Now you're a winner. Get them W's up. Amen. You're not a loser anymore. Praise God. Some of y'all shocked coming to this church. I thought y'all knew what you were getting into this morning. I know some of you had a choice. Okay, so do we go over here? I know New Life Covenant is doing this. I know Chicago Tab over here. I know if we go to Metro Praise, it's going to be crazy. Let's go to Metro Praise. How many glad you're at Metro Praise International this morning? Amen. We bless all of those churches. We love them, but each one got their own swag, don't they? When you come here, we're going to tell you as it is. I was thinking about this as we were packing out this house, uh, you know, the church service for this one as well as first. I was thinking about what we do during the week for the Lord. Can you put up some of those pictures from the west side for me, please? And ushers, we do have some seats available here now as well. When we go out and preach, people look at us like we are the scum of the earth. Like, man, why are you guys out here? Don't you have anything better to do? Uh, They look at us. uh, They look down on us. Even people from nice churches, good churches, they look down on us. I'm telling you, it's happened to me all the time. I remember uh, meeting some members from another church, and they were like, oh, oh, which church do you go to? I mean, we don't do this at my church. But I want to tell you, in our church, we're proud to go to the streets. Can I hear an amen for that? We're proud to preach the gospel. And so when I look at a place like this, you know, Sunday morning, Easter filled, it just shows us that we're not alone. So when we're going out preaching, you may be on the corner by yourself, and I want to show you what we did last week on the west side, and then also get up for me, Jocelyn, preaching at UIC. There's over 14 different opportunities to preach the gospel with us on the streets here at this church, and it's because we love the lost, and we'll reach the lost at any cost. And what a lot of people don't understand is that their movements and their beautiful buildings started with churches just like this and with people that do what we do. In other words, D.L. Moody now owns a block of Chicago, and how many are happy D.L. Moody owns a block. Amen. How many are happy for that? How many think the Catholics have enough? We need more of the D.L. Moody's. Amen. And these Catholic churches are shutting down, now becoming condominiums. God have mercy. Somebody call up Father Tom and ask him to donate it to us. Okay? I'm serious. I keep seeing these Catholic churches closing. Look it up right now. Chicago Catholic Church is closing, becoming condominiums. We told you you lost a long time ago. You should have joined our churches and gave them to us, okay? I talked to this pastor over here of the Church of Christ, and I said, you're doing it wrong. You're not preaching the right gospel. They got all offended with me. Now it's a dance, I was going to say a dance studio. Now it's an acting studio. It's a theater. 
They say they're Christians, so I don't know if they're going to act out the passion every week or if this is Christian-based. We'll see how Christian they are when we ask if we can use their parking, okay? See how much they want to charge us now. Well, you Christian and you charging us for parking. Why isn't that something? But Lord, bless our business. If you're not giving to the things of the Lord and you're asking the Lord to bless you, you're in the wrong business. Can I hear an amen? So anyways, I look at these churches closing, becoming condominiums. These are a problem. This is a problem. Seriously. The church is in a dire state in America right now. And a lot of people thought they would run to these mega churches, and all they became was mega messes. And that's all we see. This is my church right out here. Somebody say right here. This is what we about right here. This is what we're about right here. Your pastor can promote the conference and nothing wrong with that. He can promote his book. I'm promoting sitting down with those on the west side and preaching the gospel and giving them something to eat. These are our heroes. So I was thinking about that this morning. This is the word before the word, okay? I was thinking about this this morning as the house was filled, and I'm like, isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, go out to the highways and byways. Go out to those places where they may reject you, where they may look down upon you, where they may say about you, oh, this is your church? Well, man, you guys must be desperate for members if this is your church coming out here. No, let them say all of that, but you keep winning them to the Lord so that the house may be full. Amen? Show uh, uh, Jocelyn preaching at UIC. Where's Jocelyn at? God bless you. Can we give it up for Jocelyn right here? No one told her to do this. No one told her to do this. God put it on her heart to go out there and preach at UIC. How many know they're pretty smart at UIC? But she's not intimidated. She goes there. They might be smart on your job. That's great. We're not looking for the, just the dumb and the ignorant. I'll take the dumb and the ignorant. How many will say amen to that? How many came to Jesus dumb and ignorant? I'll raise my hand the highest right here. Some of y'all came with your nose down to, you know, you took glasses down to your nose, sipping your tea. Well, I'm just here studying the resurrection. I'm looking back to Jerome and the Latin text. I didn't come to Jesus like that. I came to Jesus busted and disgusted three times, uh, you know, eight times arrested, three times incarcerated, going to the clinic, getting some help. Are you listening to me? That's how Jesus found me, tore up from the floor up, needing a checkup from the neck up. This is what we're about right here, Resurrection Sunday. Can we keep doing that throughout the year? Amen? Let's do what makes us great. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 6 because it is like our Super Bowl. I'm excited. Those are our testimonies. Let's keep going. Let's keep preaching the gospel. We, uh, you know, offer our lives to you. We serve with you. We want to keep doing it until Jesus comes back. I was counting and doing the math, and how many know you're old when you've got to count and do the math? This is my 23rd Easter service as a senior pastor. I started when I was 22 years old. Can I hear an amen for that? 23rd Easter. 23rd Easter. How many Easter services have you been to? Some of you got to think, well, then I skipped that one because I was with that baby daddy, and he didn't like church. And then, and then I used to go to church, but no, you know, come on now. 23, I know my congregation, some people laughing like, yeah, that's right. I didn't go to church because of the baby daddy. I remember that. 23 Easter services by God's grace. And I'll tell you one thing that's never changed, the power of God. The power of God will be here in just a few moments for you to participate in. We have prayer workers at the end of every service for you to come and receive prayer. If you have Bible questions about what we talked about here, we love Bible questions. We're not intimidated by discussion or debate. You can have those discussions and debates with us. We want you to know Jesus Christ. We want you to be born again. We want you to see that it's more than just a story that we're believing. This is not a museum. You're here at a place of the living, not the dead. Amen? I said this is a place of the living, not the dead. We're celebrating Christ. He is alive. He has changed our lives. It's still working. 2022, people are being born again. People's lives are being changed. Demons are getting cast out. Sick people are getting healed. Amen. 
How many believe that Jesus is alive today? Amen. I just, I'm excited about that. I don't want to take that for granted. When we look to the scriptures in Romans chapter 6, it should mean something. Let me just remind everybody of the story because some people may not be caught up. That's okay. I've actually preached to people who have never heard the gospel, both in America and overseas. It's a privilege to do that. So as you're holding your spot in Romans chapter 6, let me give you the story in a nutshell. God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three separate persons, yet one divine being, sharing the essence of God, all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. The Father sent his Son. Remember we said the Father, Son, and Spirit. Father sends the Son to come and be in this world. He becomes 100% man, still 100% God. He does not lose his divinity. He takes on humanity. As we say here, he put on an earth suit. So he could feel what we feel, go through what we go through. And yet he did not sin. He reset the human race. Adam and Eve was the only perfect human born, but then uh, and Eve, and then they sinned. Jesus started that over again, was perfect, and yet he never sinned. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world because this was God's plan all along. People like to say, well, if God knew where we were going to sin, why did he allow us to do that? Because he wanted us to have free will so that we could make a choice. But remember, the choice that cost the most wasn't ours. It was his because he knew you'd have to die as God in the flesh for us. The son comes to the earth. He lives a sinless life. He does miracles, and he fulfills hundreds of prophecies. Approximately 300 prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. Now we're believing for the next thousand to be fulfilled, his second coming. Over triple the amount of prophecies are what we're living in now, waiting for him to come in what we know as the end times, last days. Jesus was such a good preacher, such a good miracle worker, and feeder of food of those who were hungry that they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize of that time, made a statue of him, and hauled him around the city. And gave him a parade. Is that what happened to him? No. Jesus was crucified. Not because they loved him, but because he, they hated him. They hated him for multiple reasons. The religious people hated him because he was upsetting their religion. Their religion was based primarily on the scripture, but they had made some tweaks to it. Roman Catholics are like us, but they've made some tweaks to it. Talk to them about those and help them get out of it because those are damnable. Praying to saints other than God. Having traditions outside of the scriptures, everybody listening to me? Going to a water stain in a bridge and calling that the Mother Mary, those are problems. The Jewish people were like Catholics in that way. They had a lot of the scripture, a lot of the truth, but they added to their religion these damnable things, and now most of them were lost and they weren't going to heaven. Jesus was telling them that all of the time. He called them snakes and vipers along with a few other things. He did weep for them. He had a great heart of compassion, but very few of them received him. They were part of the plan to kill him. The Romans did not like him because he was a king, not just any old king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he said that every knee would bow before him. Oftentimes we say, invite Jesus into your heart, make him the Lord of your life. That's not just a suggestion. That's a command. You will bow one way or another, either willingly or when he breaks your kneecaps on judgment day. Uh, can I hear an amen to that? Knees will be broken on judgment day. The blood will be as high as a horse's head from here to Rockford, over 100 miles. That day is coming. And he talked like that, and that upset people. But yet he was kind and loving to the ordinary person who wasn't stuck on religion and who did not have a problem with worshiping the Son of God. So those who understood who the Son of God was, worthy of worship, and those who were willing to listen to the religion or to the way to do things his way, they loved him. They hung out with him. It didn't matter if you were a prostitute. It didn't matter if you were part of Rome, if you were once a Roman soldier. It didn't matter even if you were a tax collector, which would be somewhat, some, somewhat similar to a mafia figure now, kind of like helping the people, but you're really not. You're doing it out for your own gain. 
He brought in tax collectors. He brought in soldiers. He brought in fishermen, ordinary people. He empowered women. He empowered other people from different ethnic groups that the Jews were supposed to be helping, but at that time they were hating, and he made them the stars of the show. The good Samaritan actually makes the Jews look bad, and the Samaritans look awesome. That would be like a preacher in the South talking about how White Bubba's the idiot, Bakuta Kinte's the hero of the story. Jesus talked like that all the time, and he didn't care who it offended because he knew it was the truth. Eventually, the Romans and the Jews colluded together to have him crucified. But you know the story. He forgave his enemies on the cross, did he not? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even on the cross, he brought someone else with him to heaven. The thief said, remember me today in paradise. Jesus said he would, but he didn't stay on the cross. They then buried him in a tomb that we know of. It's not myth or fiction. Joseph, from where? Arimathea, where? In his tomb. That's where he was buried. 300 years later, when Rome came to their knees and accepted Jesus Christ, the mother of Constantine wanted to go find these things. They found the artifacts, the tomb. Some people believe we have the Shroud of Turin, which comes from him, who knows? But these are actual facts of history. What we do know is that early morning on the third day, which is now why we worship on Sunday, has nothing to do with the sun god, the devil's a liar. We worship on a day that is called Sunday because of the Romans, but on the third day, which was the S-O-N Sunday, he rose from the dead. And now we have the witnesses of the apostles here written in Scripture. Over 500 saw him at once, and many died based on that faith. Some people say, well, Muslims have faith. They shout Allah Akbar as they go into planes. Yes, you can have stupid faith. You can have demonic faith. Some of you think you're going to win the lottery, and I sometimes play it. That's stupid faith. Can I hear an amen for the, for the pitiful here? That's true, but it's oh me, oh my, or amen. How many have ever had stupid faith? We call that wishful thinking superstition. It's not the same. And then you can have faith in things you hope to be true, but, you know, you just, you just have no proof of them. When the guy shouts Allah Akbar, he has no proof it's going to be true. He's just hoping that it's true that his Muhammad, who was also a terrorist and a pedophile, will somehow receive him into a kingdom that Muhammad was not himself sure of. Those are devil's lies, but people have faith in him. That's not what we're saying when we look to the scripture that we have faith. We have faith in facts. Just as you have a fact today that you're sitting in a room, just as you have a fact that you trust that chair, it's been built the right way, just as you had a fact that the car would work and the wheels wouldn't fall off, there is the fact that there was a man crucified. There is the fact that he was put in a tomb called Joseph of Arimathea's tomb in Jerusalem. There is a fact that women went there, which you would never count on as witnesses because they were considered to be less than the man's testimony. There were women that went there, found it empty, and testified, and then those testimonies were then tested by their death, and we are here today because they never back down, never changed. You can die for what you hope to be is true. Like I said, other people do that. You can die for that. Well, I hope I'll win the lottery. Are you willing to die for it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, you can do those things. I hope that Muhammad's up there somewhere. Okay, you can die for that. I'm not dying for what I hope to be true. I'm dying for what I know factually to be true. That's the story of the resurrection. We don't follow other religions because they're demonic lies. They take us to hell. They deceive us. We don't follow our own feelings and what people say about us because they're going to deceive us and you're going to deceive yourself. How many know you're going to be deceived by other people's feelings and you can be deceived by your own feelings? How many of you have felt you were in love before but it didn't turn out to be love? How many of you felt that you were going to start a diet in, in January but it's March now and that diet's a long way off, baby? You deceive yourself. How many know people have deceived you with what they have said to you based on their feelings? How many have had somebody say to you, I love you, but they didn't back that up? They say, I feel this and that. Feelings are fickle. Don't trust them. Trust the facts. The facts are that Jesus Christ lived. 
He was sinless. Even his own enemies and the records that we have could not say anything against him in his behavior. When they brought up accusations, it was all based on him being a king and their misunderstandings of his teaching. You said you would destroy this temple in three days. That's now a revolution. Is that who you are, a revolutionary? But what was he speaking of? His body being the temple. You said that you are a king, Herod and, um, Herod and also Pilate are asking, where is your kingdom? And Jesus is very clear. If my kingdom was of this world, you would all be dead right now. You ever seen Thanos? I make Thanos scare and pee his pants. I'm greater than Thanos, but my kingdom is not of this world. I lost you in Thanos. Here's a spoiler alert. How many ever watched in-game Marvel comics? Some of you are more sanctified than that. Dude snapped his finger and evaporated most of the planet. My God makes Thanos pee his pants. Do you understand? My God is greater than all of the gods. But he said to the men of that world that thought they were gods and worshiped false gods, he said to them, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, you would all be eviscerated right now. Two angels took out Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says that there's an innumerable amount of them. What do you think they'll do to this earth when there's just seven of them coming to judge? They blow their horns and they destroy the world. They're going to send down asteroids and make it rain hellfire. Get right with God before you get left. He raised from the dead. He spoke to these women he shared his heart with them. He went through the scriptures, and then he ascended to heaven. He ascended to heaven 40 days later, and he said 10 days after that for a total of 50 after Passover, uh, excuse me, Pentecost, uh, Passover, and then Pentecost. After 40 days of Passover, he ascended to heaven. 10 days later, Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit. Now today, we have the Holy Spirit. We have assurance inside as well as the facts on the outside. How many believe in Jesus? Internally, you sense Jesus, and externally, how many see the facts? Amen. One testimony from a man that used to be a reporter for the Chicago Tribune, Lee Strobel, spoke about how he really hated God, disliked God. His wife became a Christian. He said he'll go to church and disprove Christianity on a weekend. He said he had some free time after you know, he cuts his grass. He's going to disprove the greatest religion of all mankind. And two years later, he didn't disprove Christianity. He became a Christian and wrote the book, The Case for Christ. I ask anyone here that questions the veracity of what I just said to go and research that. There's a reason why Christians started universities and not just Bible studies. Most of all the major universities in this country and in this city were started by Christians. We're not afraid of it. Amen? We started hospitals. We're not afraid of science. We were the greatest science. We invented the scientific method. Anybody who tells you now, I cannot believe in God because I believe in science, has told you they're an oompa loompa. I believe in science because I believe in God. God created the universe. Where do you think it came from? It didn't come from a scientist in a laboratory with a beaker. It didn't come from the microscope or the telescope. You're already right now here because there is a God that said, that said, let there be light, and light has not stopped traveling. The expanse of the universe is still unknown to our greatest attempts to find it. From internally to externally, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and this universe is finely tuned for what we're doing here today. And what we are doing here today is a type and shadow of what we will do upon the earth forever. This belongs to God. This earth belongs to God. Your life belongs to God. And this is the way Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. Can I hear an amen? Are you ready for the sermon now? I guess I gave you two introductions. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. So glad you're here. I'm still having fun. You guys having fun? Amen. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 now gives us something to do. Because that's a great story. We're saved by that story. There's nothing like it. It is true. But now there are things we must do. 
What do we do as Christians? Well, if you need encouragement through your times of suffering, listen to the first service. It's called Living Hope. It encourages you during times of suffering to look at Christ's death, burial, and resurrection as a hope beyond the scope of human limitation. May that message encourage you. Today, in this service, I want to now encourage you to live holy. Somebody say, live holy. I want you to live like Christ. That's why he raised from the dead. Sin is no longer our master. That's why he died on the cross. He broke the power of sin. Now you and I can live and be all that God wants us to be. You don't have to give into temptation. If I was to ask you right now, what are your worst flaws, the worst things about you that you don't like, more than likely the Bible calls those sins. So the beauty of this is that what you don't like about yourself, God doesn't like either and he wants to change. Somebody might say, well, I thought God loves us just the way we are. He does, but too much let you stay that way. How many love your children just the way they are, but too much to let them stay that way? How many are glad they're not pooping on themselves and you're not changing their diaper today? Any parents of teenagers here? That would be messy, wouldn't it? Are you guys potty trained? You guys? All right. You guys potty? You good? Kind of, sort of. Got to keep my eye on you. I love them just the way they are, but too much to let them stay that way. You got to teach them. Grow up before I throw up. This is gross. Bible says the same thing. you got to grow up before God throws up. A lot of our behavior make God throw up. Go to Revelation, please, 316. You don't think that language is just me trying to be a shock jock in the pulpit. Some people are like, Joe, you remind me of Mad Cow, Howard Stern. I'm not trying to be a shock jock in the pulpit. I'm using biblical language. That's what Bible says. Look at Revelation 316. He speaks to them very clearly, and he says to them, if you do not change, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, because what is immature to us makes God sick. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about ready to spit you out of my mouth. So look at your neighbor and say, grow up before God throw up. <laughs> Amen. You guys still wish you went here, or are you guys uh, now hoping you went to Chicago Tab? Man, I went to this church. They said so many things. I can't believe this. What's wrong with that pastor? He's wearing a hood. He wears his robe. Doesn't he know it's Easter? How did his wife let him leave out the house like this? Where's his lavender suit? Don't trust everybody in a suit. I would rather you trust me because what I'm saying than a man in a suit. Men in a suit have led you wrong, but I know people in hoodies have too, but... Trust my heart. Trust the word. Amen? I feel, I feel sanctified. I may not look sanctified to you, but I know I'm sanctified. I'm holy. What is holy dress anyways other than covering your nakedness? Man, I was looking at myself because I always check myself after I preach the first service to make sure I didn't have anything on me that somebody didn't tell me about. This is my old preacher fear. If you ever think about preachers, pray for us. We got a lot of fears and get scared. Like, man, did I have my zipper down? Did I have boogies hanging out my nose? So I would look back at myself. I really do. And I said, look at that handsome gentleman. Look at him walking around. You got to love yourself before you can love somebody as yourself. Can I hear an amen? I said, you got to love yourself before you love somebody as yourself. People sometimes say, well, I don't love others. I, I don't love myself. I just love others. You're lying. You don't really love them. Because if you knew them like you knew yourself, you would hate them just like you hate yourself. I got to say that slow. That's a third message today. You got to love yourself before you can love others. Those who say, I don't love myself, but I love others, you're lying. You, you don't really love them because if you knew them like you knew yourself, you would hate them like you hate yourself. So you got to learn to love yourself. You got to learn to love you the way God made you, and you got to see God's plan for your life. Well, going back to this, we can be so easily deceived by our own ways of doing things. We can think about, you know, oh, I wish I could, um, you know, live a certain way, and then I'll be better, and then I'll love myself then. No, you got to love who God made you to be, but love that he's changing you into who he made you to be. 
He made you to be more than what you are right now. And so when we look to these scriptures and we see that he's about ready to spit you out of his mouth unless you change, unless you grow up, you're going to to miss life unless you grow up into the image that God has for you. My teenagers will miss what God has for them unless they grow to be who God says they're going to be. Amen? Go to Romans chapter 6. I wish I could finish all my thoughts here, but I'm going to go back into the Word. Somebody say, live like Jesus. When you come to church, you have a decision to make. Am I going to live like Jesus or am I going to live like the world? Some people say they live like, uh, they love Jesus, but they don't live like Jesus. Can you really say you love Jesus if you don't live like Jesus? If you say, I love him, don't you have to live like him? Right? And so I talk to people and they say, oh, you know, God's working on me. It's still not right yet, but I'll get it right one day. You can go to hell with that a good intention. There are many people in hell right now that have good intentions. Now this whole row is empty. Can we fill this up with somebody right here? Where did everybody go? They all just took off? Okay, there's nobody in the back? Until they all just left. I made room for them, and then they all just left. Family, come sit right here for me. Let's give it up for the first family of the church. That's what they used to say back in the day. Fill up that front row. I want to see who I'm talking to. I'll preach to my wife, and what, do I got four of my kids? There you go. Thank you. Let the preacher see who he's talking to here. I thought I was helping somebody out. Thank you, man of God. I appreciate that. Yes. When I meet people and they say, well, I love Jesus, but I'm not living like Jesus, they're liars. You cannot say you love Jesus and not live for Jesus. Living for Jesus is a sign that you love Jesus. If I said that I love my wife, but I do not follow my wife's directives in my life, I do not really love her. I'm a hypocrite. Am I not? Come on, ladies. If a man says he loves you, but he doesn't take care of you, does he really love you? If a man says he loves you, but he cheats on you, does he really love you? No, so don't fall for these lies in relationships, and don't fall for the lies out in the Christian faith. I feel like giving you some of these life lessons before we go. It's Easter, but i got to preach a lot of mini-sermons. Y'all listening? Please, I'm telling you, let me speak to you from my heart, because I don't see you all the time. Some of you think you're, living for, uh, you're loving Jesus, but you're not living for him. That's a lie. The Bible says, on judgment day, many will say, have I not done such and such a thing? And did these things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's what he'll say to you. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Now, going back to that example that I was saying where I check myself while I I preach, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Because every message that I preach to you, I'm going to be held responsible for, and God is going to judge me. Did I get you ready for that day that you're going to meet him? So when I was looking back at my sermon, I was like, hey, checking myself out, and I was like, okay, I'm all all right. I'm looking good. But I began to think about how people judge pastors based on their looks. And I, I began to think, like, man, what if somebody walked into this church and said, I can't receive from that pastor because he's in a hoodie and he's using language that I understand. And so they leave a church like this, and they go to a place where a guy wears a robe, which is made out of the same material, is it not? Made out of the same material. Then uses Latin words that they don't even understand. And then they walk out of there going, ooh, I feel religious now. Maybe this is what you were supposed to hear. Maybe this is what you were supposed to hear because you, when you went there, you got like a feel-good feeling that just came and went. But maybe when I talk like this and I say you got to grow up before you throw up, you got to love yourself before you love somebody else, you know, this kind of stuff. Maybe it sounds crass to you, but maybe it's the very thing that Chicago needs. Can I hear an amen to that? 
because I have just as much education as they do. But I realized a long time ago, when I come up here, my job is not to impress you with my dress, though I think we should dress appropriately, and not to impress you with my education. My job is to see you get closer to God. My job is to make sure that you reflect Jesus, not for you to walk out of this service saying, look at how the pastor dressed so nice and his wife looked like a supermodel. Those churches that try to win your favor that way oftentimes will let you down because they won't live up to what you think they are. What have I asked you now to think I am? Just a dude in a hoodie with some sketchers on. Okay, now I can live up to that because there's one thing different about what I represent other than my clothes. I'm a man of God, holy inside and out. In other words, what Father Tom is trying to be in his dress, I am in my life every single day. What that religious cathedral is trying to represent, I bring to the streets by the power of the Holy Spirit. What they paint on a, what they paint on a stained glass window, I'm living out every day. So you can either have the stained glass window or what that represents. You see, I don't want the, you know, one day, let's say we have a stained glass window. I'm not saying big churches are bad. Maybe one day we will. Praise God. We're not going to always stay small. We're the biggest we've ever been, okay? But I just want you to hear my heart on this. Just because right now I have a brick wall and not a stained glass window doesn't mean this is not the truth right here. Jesus never had stained glasses, but Jesus was doing what they put up on them stained glasses, right? We go out and put in gospel work. That's why we see people saved and their lives transformed. So even if you are educated, even if you consider yourself a sophisticated person and it seems a bit crash to you, they said that about Jesus. Jesus, who's your teacher? Because we don't hear anybody talk like this. That's what the Jewish rabbi said to Jesus. He said, my father's my teacher, and that's why you don't know what I'm saying, because the father talks like this. See, that's why I show you biblical language. He said, get this out your life or I'm going to spit you out. That's biblical language. Biblical language is your knees are going to get broke. He's going to come rule you with a rod of iron. There is not going to be a tickle stick on judgment day, but a rod of iron. Please put up Psalm 2. The king is coming back now. Do you understand? I am an ambassador. Jesus is not lonely. I want everybody to get this. Jesus, because we always talk about emotional Jesus, and sometimes we make Jesus effeminate, okay? Jesus relates to women, and women can be just as powerful and bold. So I'm not saying women type emotions are wrong. But when a man tries to act outside of his manhood, he becomes effeminate. The Bible calls that a sin. Jesus is not a sissy. In other words, Jesus is not coming to your house of your heart in the middle of a rainstorm with his trench coat on and his little hat in his hands and his water dripping down his face, knocking at your door going, please let me in. It's so cold and rainy outside. I have nowhere to lay my head. Would you please bring me inside today? That's not Jesus coming to your heart. This is Jesus coming to your heart. It's the, who is it? It's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me in. No, Jesus, I'm not ready for you. I'll be back kicking down this door in a little bit. Next door. I know we think to ourselves, that's not Dito, Jesus, I always see Jesus as the loving, I, I, I get it. There are parts that we need to understand Jesus like that. But you also need to understand this, Psalm 2. This is my resurrected Jesus. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together. This is like, like a Putin, what he's doing right now. He's trying to band together with Chechnya and these other wicked nations to, to oppress these Ukrainians, right? But all the kings of the earth one day will do this towards God himself. They've done
done it in, in, in miniature ways throughout the earth, but they'll do it in the last days altogether with the Antichrist. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs and mocks at them. He rebukes them in his anger, terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. See, this is what I am to proclaim. He said, you are my son. Today I've become your father. That's at the baptism and the resurrection of Jesus, showing that who he was was more than just a man. And now the father says to the son, ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. I love it how some pastors always want to have sermon illustrations. I got a sermon illustration. Bring me a bat and a pottery vase right now. Let me beat it in front of you. That's what Jesus is doing to the nations. I got one brother clapping. He's getting it. Let me put up the pinata of a clay vase up here. Get me a rod of iron. I don't know if anybody's dad used to have a rod of iron, but my dad had one of the bars that he would lift weights with, and he would put it in the car when he drove around. Anybody's family ever have one of those? You mess with my dad, he's pulling out a rod of iron. What a great example to come in handy when you're staring at people uh, and they're looking back at you and you got to say something. The God just gave me that. My dad used to have a rod of iron right here. What do we say a rod of iron is now? Click, clap. That's a rod of iron for us, right? But back in the day, this is what it is. And so what's this king going to do? He's coming with his rod of iron. No more knocking on hearts. Hey, can I come in? No, please. It's me, Dito. Who is it? It's me, Dito Jesus. I was on social media one day, and I heard one of my friends say this. He's like, oh, sweet baby Jesus. You know, he was being funny. And I wrote him underneath the comment. I said, he ain't baby Jesus no more. He's coming as a king on a white horse, and I sent him the slaughter of the nations in the scripture. And I'm like, call him that. That's what he is. And I thank God that we remember his birth, and I thank God that we remember his crucifixion and his resurrection. But there's one thing you all better remember. That's him coming on a white horse to break some kneecaps. When he comes back to judge the earth. I'm, in his, I'm his ambassador. Is anybody else here an ambassador of Christ? Be ye reconciled with my God. He is coming. You will meet your maker. Okay? Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. That's why when I sat down with these different leaders, whether it was aldermen or talking to a mayor, I told them, be warned, Jesus is coming. You're, you're right now, you're in control, just like Jesus said to them. Right now, it looks like you're in control, but I have a kingdom not of this earth, and if it was coming now, you would all be eviscerated. Now, does Jesus love us? I'm going to get to the good part that you may came to hear. That's good as well, but hear this. This is good too. Can I hear an amen to this? Thank you. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss the son or he will become angry. Sometimes people say to me, well, I don't like that God gives ultimatums. Well, here's another ultimatum for you not liking ultimatums. Either get down with that God or that God's going to send you to hell. Well, why would God, you know, here's what Oprah would say back. Well, I don't like a God that would threaten me. Well, good thing you don't get to choose who God is. God is God with or without you choosing him. We have gotten so much of American idol in our mind that we think we cho choose God. God comes up to the stand. Hey, guys, I'm just going to create. I got to do a feminine Jesus now. So let, let's not just be blasphemy towards the real Jesus. But this is how I see the people uh, describing Jesus. Jesus comes to American Idol just sashaying in. 
hey guys, I'm just wondering if I could be your king. I'm going to show you my talents, and then you guys vote on me. You vote for me, and then I'll decide, and you decide whether or not I get to come. This is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is coming. Every, think about this. When it says every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, what do you think that looks like? That is Muhammad, open your mouth and say it in Jesus' name. You think the angel Gabriel is just going to come and tickle him? The angel Gabriel will move his tongue in his mouth and cast him into hell. Now you might say, Pastor, the conquistadors thought like this and they caused a lot of problems. Exactly. Our kingdom and our battle is not of this world. But we do take it by force. The Bible says... The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. You are in a battle. You are in a battle, and you must be violent, but you are not in a physical battle. The conquistadors, they got it mixed up. They're like, oh, man, God is a king. He broke kneecaps. Let's go to, let's go to Latin America. Let's break kneecaps. That's wrong. That's satanic. Are you listening? Conquistadors go to hell. We do not fight with the battles of this world. Our Jesus did not do that. We do not fight with weapons of war to force our religion. So whenever Christianity has acted like that, they are wrong. They are demonic themselves, deceived by a false gospel. Can I hear an amen to that? So anything that makes you think I'm talking about conquistadorism, Roman Catholicism that put people under subjection while the Vatican got rich, you don't know what I'm saying. Listen carefully. I am saying we fight not with flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. I am in a violent warfare against the devil, and I will not win that by doing military force. You will not do that by white, Anglo, black, Latin American, any kind of supremacy will not win that. It is not an ethnic battle. It is a spiritual battle in Jesus' name. At the same time, let no one get it twisted. Kings of the earth will be broken before his throne. Every nation will bow. Now, when people say only God can judge me, what should that do? Scare the what? Hell out of them because this is when Jesus judges. What is God's heart for people though? That they worship him and see him for who he is. That he's not like Thanos, though he is much powerful than Thanos. He is beautiful. He is glorious. But he will not tolerate our sin. That's why it says, look here, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son. Kiss his son or he will be angry. And your way will lead to destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Now that may sound like an ultimatum that you don't like, but I actually enjoy this ultimatum. And I was just as rebellious as anyone here that may not have ever liked, uh, may not like this. I don't like ultimatums to begin with, like in general, right? Like as general people go, as way, as way most of us are, we don't like ultimatums. Guys, can amen to that, right? Like we just, we don't do well with that. It's not going to really help the situation. But why am I okay with this? Why do I think this is glorious? Because I believe he's our creator. Our creator has the right to say to the creation, what he wants. And what has he wanted from us? I mean, let's just be honest. What has he wanted from you? People are like, well, I don't like your God. I would rather reign in hell than be a servant in heaven. Well, you'll get just what you want then. You will get hell, and that is not where he is at. You will have nothing to do with him in hell. That's what hell is. It's where God is not. But I want you to understand this. Why do people get so angry with him? What is he doing that really makes people so upset? Think about it. He's just asking you to live according to his rules. 
And what are his rules? That he's God and you're not. I mean, really, is that hard to comprehend? So when he made us male and female, do we get to do Mr. Potato Head and change what he called male and female? No, we don't get to do that. When he said these two come together as one, to death do them part, to them part, should we love divorce and celebrate divorce? Absolutely not. When he says that children are a blessing, should we be murdering them in the womb? No, these are common sense things. It's God's earth. He made us to create. He made a woman to have a baby inside the womb. And we are so satanic that we murder it and we don't think there's a problem. That's why when I say he's coming and he's making these ultimatums, I actually am happy about it because I don't want murderers in the new earth. You've already had this old earth, you wicked sinner. You're done. I'm with Jesus now as he renovates it. Imagine going to somewhere in a neighborhood where there's a crack house and somebody says, I want the crack house. Okay, you can have it over here, but we're renovating this. Wicked sinners have had it long enough. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if there's abortionists there. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if there's adulterers there. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if all the filth of this earth is there. The whole reason why we want to go there is because it's not here. So filthy, rotten sinners, you can go to hell with the devil if you want. Have I been one? Absolutely. I'm not proud of my sin. I was wicked just like anyone else. But I'm telling you, I would rather kiss him now. I would rather, I honor you, Jesus. Not, not a cross, not the Pope, but my Savior. Poppy, you're my Father. You created me. All of this is yours. You see, all of this machismo for gangs and good fellas and all of this, all of that is a waste of your love and affection. All of these, raise your hands in the A, all these times we've raised our hands at clubs and for these rock stars, shouted out their names. Score one for me, Mike. Michael Jordan, he did that for me. Hit a home run for me, babe. That was back in the 1900s. The Michael Jordan of the 1900s was Babe Ruth. We've wasted our love and affection on mere humans. Moist robots made of dust. And here we are now hearing from our king. Bow and worship me. And now we can find the meaning of life. This is why you have a job, sir. This is why you have talents. This is why we could do science. So that we could honor God and think our thoughts after him. Sir Isaac Newton wrote more about the Bible than he did about physics. And he is the bedrock of the modern, scienti the modern scientific methods we do to understand physics. Francis Bacon, not the kind you eat, but the scientist discovered how to do the inductive scientific method to have the essential process, the, the ability to come up with a hypothesis and experimentation and so forth. All of this is from the mind of God. And so God is saying, it's my way or the highway, and we should be saying, God, I want it your way. I do want it your way. I don't want your anger, God. I don't want your wrath. People say to me all the time, they would say, well, I would rather have my own choice and do things my own way, and they think that their ways are the best. Don't you understand God is keeping us from ourselves? The reason why he's asking you, sir, to bow down before him is because you bowed down to everything else that was worthless. I bowed down to myself, man, and after serving myself, I almost wanted to kill myself. Our generation is more suicidal than it's ever been. And yet they keep pumping them more full of psychotropic drugs 
to keep trying to get them to love themselves. You can't love yourself until you know yourself. What are you? If you came from the goo to the zoo to you, then what are you loving? Oh, I love the atoms in motion that bring together this molecular structure of a mostly robot body, of a mostly moist robot body, you know, controlled by chemicals in my brain. I love that. That'll drive you crazy. That's why your most counselors are crazy. No offense to counselors. Look at those who are in the mental health position. Look at their mental health. Seriously. They are struggling themselves. Why? Because they got to listen to us talk all the time. Seriously. Hearing the world's problems make them go crazy. Because you're not meant to. Anybody ever seen, uh, was it Bruce Almighty? Where he has to try to answer all the prayers, Jim Carrey. Or Superman when he goes up and he tries to hear everybody and it just drives them crazy. You and I are not meant to, to do any of this without God. We're not meant to do science without God. We're not meant to do counseling without God. We're not meant to do sex without God. How many are done having godless sex? How many are ready to have God in the bedroom and have some godly sex? How many know sex having as a Christian is much better than before you when you were a non-Christian? Can I get some amens from people up here? Look up the study. Sexual satisfaction of Christians. The sexual satisfaction of Christians is higher than any other rate. Why is it we do this as Christians? It's because we're better. Christianity is not just the same. It's not just one maybe level different. You know, like, oh, man, I'm thinking about getting the Lexus. But, man, have you seen the Range Rovers? Man, you will, you know, the Lexus has its benefits. So does the Range Rover. You know, I'm thinking about Christianity, but I'm also thinking about this. No, there's no comparison. It's like, are you thinking about riding a dead horse that has gnats all around it, or are you thinking on getting on an F-35? What you think is going to get you from A to B faster? A dead horse with gnats all around it being internalized, you know, by, by all of that nastiness. Or an F-35. Put up an F-35 so they can see one, please. This is what we need to send over to Russia and remind them who's boss in Jesus' name. Not for religious sake, but just to kick their butt and tell them to stop messing with somebody. Amen? Because you, you might think, well, Christians, do you go to war? Oh, yeah, we go to war. We just don't fight for our religion to make you a Christian. Somebody says, well, we turn the other cheek. What do you think we do after, the, after, you, you turn, after you hit me and I turn the other cheek? You can hit the other one. You get one cheek. That's it. Seriously, how many are happy for Christians serving in the military? Put up an F-35 so they can see that technology. What would you rather ride, a dead horse or an F-35 today? I was talking to a woman one day. She was cutting my hair. She said, oh, I'm Roman Catholic. I said, I feel sorry for you. She got upset with me, my wife, my mom at that time. I always get my mom and my wife confused. I shouldn't. <laughs> Sometimes I call her my mom. She's got to take care of me, half kid. So my mom's like, man, she's going to cut your ear off, man. You just told her I feel sorry for you. But here's, here's what I was saying. I wasn't just trying to be sassy. I was like, man, I really feel sorry for you. They convinced you that that's what you have to do. That's not what you do with my Jesus. Would you rather be on a dead horse or that baby? What you want you think is going faster to, to where you need to go. Everything else is dead religion. That's what I'm on today in Jesus' name. Powered by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Fuego didios is in my tank, baby. I got that fuego in my tank, baby. What kind of gasoline you running on? Oh, Pastor, that was inappropriate. No, it's appropriate. Y'all get it. 
We sing these worldly songs. We put all of this in our heart and mind. We waste our worship. We waste our lives. Get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Soar on the wind like an eagle with Jesus today. Overcome all that is happening in your life. See yourself in the fight and winning it in Jesus' name. And that's why in this church, by the way, we see so many come from the LGBTQ community. That's why we see so many come from the gang lifestyle. That's why we see so many businessmen or those with education. I remember a young man coming to me. He said, I was an atheist. I never heard any of this. Now I am totally convinced that there's a God and that Jesus Christ is his son. Okay? We're not going to keep doing church as they've been doing church. Christianity is dying in America, but growing in China. It's illegal there, but it's still legal here. But why is it dying here? Because we've become complacent. It doesn't cost us anything in China. It costs them to go to church. In China, they have to suffer for Jesus. They're disowned by their family. Here in America, still, most family members are like, oh, it's great to have you here for Easter. That's cool. My, uh, Mom, I'll come for you, etc." In China, you go to Christmas service or Easter service, you've let your family down. You've disgraced your ancestors. And yet it's growing faster there than it is here because we've gotten complacent. Are you ready for Romans 6? I'll go quickly. I know our time is short together. I know you got food to eat and friends to be with. Only two more hours and we'll be done. Amen? Cut it in half. Not four, just two. Half kid. No, seriously. I'll be done in a few moments. I want to share with you now what to do. Those were extra from my heart. Can I bless you with that today? Because I may not see you again, right? I may not see you again. So I want to make sure we got it all out. What shall we say then? Because we're, we'll believe it. How many believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Okay? I do. And now you know why, right? And it changes my life. I hope that it changes yours. And we love sinners. That's why, let me just pause here. Here's another one. Maybe I got more. I don't know. God's giving them. I'm, I'm sharing them. Okay? This is what happens when a pastor doesn't preach from notes, by the way. Most of my services, I don't preach from notes. I want to hear what God is saying in this moment because God knew you would be here, and here you are, okay? Here, I want to share this with you. Some of you right now are thinking to yourself, this kind of preaching is not going to win your friends to the Lord. We need to emphasize more of God's love, more of God's grace, and all of these things. I'm telling you, that's not working. The loving kindness of God only draws sinners to repentance when they know they're sinners. The problem is the mega messes, I mean the mega churches, have not told your friends and family anymore they're sinners. And they think they're okay. How do I know? Because I've been preaching to them for over 20 years. I'm telling you the very honest truth. I'm not mad at those churches. I do wish they would do better, but my battle's not with them. But I just want you to understand this. The reason why this sounds abrasive is because I'm actually giving you context to what God is saying to our generation right now. And that just shakes you up because you're being told every day by your diversity team at your job. You're being told every day by your lesbian cousin. You're being told every day when you watch America's Got Talent by the judges there, you're not supposed to applaud this. You're supposed to applaud what they're applauding. And I'm telling you to hell with that. And that sounds like there's some nails going against the chalkboard. I am very self-aware. Please understand this. This pastor is not unaware of what that means to you or what it means to a lot of people in our culture. But I want you to understand this. We don't do this just to be offensive. In other words, when the Cubs were in the World Series, we played it here because we have a lot of Cubs fans and we got a big screen. Why not? And so we kind of do things like that. And Somebody that's in the church was a Sox fan and came that day, even though the Sox obviously were not playing, but to boo the Cubs. And I said to this guy, I mean, how bored do you have to be in life, dude? How bored do you have to be? You guys have already had your World Series. Dude, just either celebrate for your friends because they're Cubs fans or just stay home. Like, 
We're not here to boo a team in the middle of watching a game which people haven't even seen. Like, I don't think they've ever won the World Series, right? Like, this is a big deal for these people. Just be nice to them, right? Okay, I am not here as that guy wearing the Sox uniform. I am not here to come rain on your parade before you have a wonderful meal at home. I am not here to do that. I am not here to make you dislike your lesbian cousin. I am not here to get you upset with your Catholic uncles. That's not, I'm not that person. I love your Catholic uncle. I love your lesbian cousin. I love them so much that I want to prepare you for when you talk to them, you explain to them what's happening in the big picture here. The big picture is your lesbian cousin will go to hell without repenting of that sin. That's a serious offense against our God. Your Catholic relatives are praying to statues and think St. Anthony will help them find their lost keys. They have lost their God-given minds. You have to help them. And then you tell them the good news. The good news is St. Anthony is not here for you, but the Holy Ghost and fire is. I can't show you where the apostles ever prayed to one another, but I can show you where the apostles spoke in tongues and laid hands on the sick. I can never show you a pope dressing up like mother in a robe with frills and chills and everybody calling him father, but I can show you a Peter who prayed for those on the streets that he preached to and their lives were changed. I can't show you stained glass windows in the Bible. I can't show you all of the pomp and all of the religiosity, but I can show you churches meeting in homes in Corinth and Ephesians and Galatia and Thessalonica, and the power of God was there changing their lives. That's what I can show you. I can show you where drug addicts are changed. I can show you where people get out of sexual sin, whether it's adultery, homosexuality, pornography, where God saves people and he changes them. So what shall we say then? Help me, Jesus. In closing, here's the message. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? So we know we're forgiven of sin. If we're Christians, we know Jesus died on the cross. We're not idolaters. We're not worshiping statues or saints. We come to Christ alone. We trust in the word of God, not in the word of men, including my word. You, you test by the word of God. So now what do we do? Well, let's just go on sinning, Jack. I got to get out of jail free card, man. The blood of Jesus is going to forgive me. I'm good. Don't you judge me. Is that what it says? By no means. We don't go on sinning now. We don't call ourselves Christians and then live like devilins. Be honest with who you are. You're a child of the devil. Live like one then. If you're a Christian, be honest with who you are. Live like one. Are you listening? By the power of God. No more hypocrisy. That's another thing. A lot of people get mad in the church where there's all these hypocrites. How many hypocrites do you think are in this church? Not many. You think you're going to be a hypocrite chilling here? You would have to be really dense or deaf. Right? Why? Because you're going to walk out that door and go, hey, I'm done with this church, man. This guy has called me a wicked sinner for the last time. These boots were made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. And Pastor Joe, one of these days, these boots are walking over you. Go. That's it. Go ahead. There's 10 more churches that will take your backslidden self. I don't want it that way, but if that's the way it has to be, that's all right. But here's my heart for you. Stop being a backslider. Stop being lukewarm. Stop going on in sin. Let's live for Jesus. I haven't looked at pornography since 1996. Can you say the same? That's Christianity. 
okay? I haven't stolen. I haven't gotten drunk. I haven't done, you know, these major sins in my life. Now, you might say, Pastor, are you sinless? No, but I sin less today than I did yesterday. That's the goal. It's perfection. Be holy for your Father in heaven is holy. Be perfect for he is perfect. That's the goal. We're not compromising that goal. Is everybody listening to me? If I'm in sin, tell me I'm in sin. I'm here to repent of sin. I'm not going on in sin. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? If Christ died for our sins, rose again on the third day, why am I still living in sin? What was the point of that cross? Not just so we could keep on sinning, but that we could be forgiven and live sin free. By God's grace, the Bible says it happened, right? Not by our works, by his grace. I don't wash my car, then bring it to a car wash. Hey, guys, I got a great idea. Let's all wash my car today. Let's go back there and wash my car. And then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring it to a car wash. You know why I'm going to do that? Because I don't want anybody at the car wash to judge me because my car will be dirty. I don't want anybody there to see a dirty car. That's what people think. I'm going to get my life right, then I'm going to go to church. What are they saying? I'm going to wash my car and then I'm going to bring my car here. No, this is where you get your car washed. This is where you bring it with that nasty stuff underneath your seat that you blame on the kids, but it's really you because you didn't know how to eat the McDonald's fries that day. Can I hear an amen? For anybody that's got to clean up after their wife, <laughs> no, I don't want to tell on you. It's mostly me. But sometimes I find her stuff underneath there, and I'm like broken lipstick stuff and chapstick with hair all in it. I'm like, get this out. I don't clean it first and then bring it to the car wash because I don't want anybody to think that, that I have a dirty car. No. If you're in this church and you're sinning, it's okay if you're asking for forgiveness and not intending to do it again. But if you are in this church and you're saying sin is what I'm okay with, then we're not okay with that. You might not have ever heard that from a church, but welcome to a church that keeps it real. Can I tell you how churches keep it fake? I'll tell you how churches keep it fake. Everybody's welcome. Oh, everybody? So a guy can come in with a gun and kill everybody? See, you really didn't mean everybody, so stop saying it. What we mean by everybody's welcome is everybody with the right intention who wants to do the right thing is welcome here. You're not welcome to come molest children here. You're not welcome to come rob people here. You're not welcome to come live in sin and bring down the body of Christ because you haven't made your mind up if you want to live with the pigs or go to heaven with Jesus. The Bible says a pig goes back to its own mud and a dog eats its own vomit. That is not us. Go to 2 Peter and show them that proverb because I didn't make it up. It came from the scripture. Do you know that I actually Googled that one day to see what it looked like on YouTube for a dog to eat its own vomit? Let me say gross. I've done some gross things to be your pastor so I can understand what it is. As a dog returns to its vomit. Just Google it and you'll find it very quickly in 2 Peter. As a dog does that, that's what sinners are like who don't want to be free from sin. So it's Easter, purity, right? We're supposed to be wearing white, or at least some of us are, you know, those pastel, nice, pretty colors, right? We're supposed to be thinking about the weather changing, all of these things, new life, things that were once dead are coming alive. Is anybody taking a walk yet in a park? Anybody here do that? Somebody's like, Pastor, you don't know my park. I'm scared. Okay, hey, come to my park. Come walk in my park. You walk in my park, you'll be all right. Listen. I was walking yesterday by my park, and guess what I saw? Green little buds coming out of these trees. You know what I did? I just took one of those little buds. That tree would be all right. And I held it in my hand, and I said, thank you, Jesus. Because I'm one of these people that don't like 10 hours of darkness, you know, whatever we deal with in the fall here, and it being a 100 below zero, you know. You know what this reminded me of? I'm about ready to go wakeboarding. 
I'm about ready to go swimming. I'm going to get my tan back. I got Mediterranean blood in me, baby. I need that tan. Seriously, my wife looked at my schedule back when I was a young man and said, read your Bible, pray, go get a tan, this and that. And she made fun of me. I'm like, man, I, I, love, I love the sun. Are you all listening to me? You don't have to like it. I just said, are you listening to me? So I grabbed this bud and I said, thank you, Jesus, for new life. Isn't that what you're supposed to be thinking about right now? Jesus rose from the dead so you can rise up out of your bad attitude. Jesus rose from the dead so you can rise up and have a new marriage today. Jesus rose up from the dead so teenagers, you can get rid of stinking thinking. You don't have to listen to Travis Scott anymore on his way to hell. You can listen to KB on his way to heaven. Jesus rose from the dead. You don't have to follow Beyonce. Amen. You can follow Jesus Christ. Right? Look at what it says. Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to wallowing in her own mud. Just go up a few verses so you don't think I made this up. Can you check your Bibles when you go home to make sure the pastor didn't make it up? I think some of you should be more mad at where you went last Easter than where you went here today. Honestly, let's just be honest. You need to be more mad at them and go like, Father Tom, why didn't you ever tell me if I go back to my sin, I'm like a dog going back to vomit. Father Tom, you never told me that. You just took my little offering, you fed me communion like I was a baby bird, and then you told me I could go home now. Why didn't you ever tell me I was like a pig in mud? Why didn't you tell me, Father Tom, that Jesus was going to bust my father's hubcaps, that God's going to bust my father's kneecaps on Judgment Day because my father is a Catholic that does, you know, worships these uh, idols. Why didn't you tell me my father's in danger of hell, Father Tom? Father Tom, or these other pastors, I give Catholics a run for their money, but let's give it for the Protestants. Hey, Bishop so-and-so, thanks for shouting and telling me I'm going to heaven. Oh, anybody going to heaven with me? Heaven, 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 heaven. Y'all ready? Thank you. Thank you, Bishop. But did you tell me where everybody's going when they die? Bishop, did you tell me how to live for Jesus? Bishop, did you tell me what sin is in my culture? Because they show enough putting it on me every day. The world is going to hell, my friends. It's on fire. There's no rest for the wicked. But Jesus Christ came to redeem us out of this world. He loves them, but too much to let them stay that way. Whoever believes in him has everlasting life. Whoever doesn't believe is condemned already. Get Jesus. Get on fire and change the world. That's what we're here for. Going back to Romans 6, please. Your clapping has lessened, I've noticed. We need to close this service out. Vinny, would you come, please? Just kidding. I don't do it for the applause. Do we go on in sin now? Do we go on in sin? No. How are we who are dead to sin going to live in sin? Verse 4. We were buried with him through baptism into death. This is what baptism represents. We did it a couple weeks ago. In order that just as Christ was what? Just as Christ was what? Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. It's a new life. It's a new life. People go through problems. And they talk about, oh, man, pastor, you don't understand my problems. I got this problem, that problem, this problem, this problem. Everybody look up at me. The world is full of problems. Well, I, I thought, pastor, if we just get out of COVID, everything's going to go back to normal. But then the riots happened on our streets. Okay, well, once we get out of COVID and then get out of the riots, everything's going to go back to normal. Now we're on the brink of World War III. 
Normal's not coming, baby. Listen to me. Normal's not coming. Well, Pastor, in my personal life, you don't understand. Last year, my auntie died. This year, Aguila died. The other day, so-and-so died. Can I be honest with you? We all going to die. <laughs> this is what you came to resurrection to hear, I know. We all going to die. Guess what? We all going to die. Snap out of it. No, but it's true. Stick around here long enough, I'm going to die. Stick around here long enough, your neighbor's going to die. Your mom, your dad, even children, we're all going to die. But there's somebody that I worship who defeated death, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so you and I have a choice. Do you want to die twice, or do you want to live twice? See, you die now without Christ, that's your first death. Boom, there's their body, dead, first death. You don't have Christ, you go to hell, second death. Do you want to die twice or do you want to live twice? First life, you're born, here you are. Welcome to existence. Everybody's here now. Everybody's here. I dare you to move. I dare you to... Anybody listen to... Lifehouse, is that Lifehouse? Switchfoot. Thank you, my brother. I just love that line. I love that line. Welcome to existence. When did existence start for you? Somewhere after I was born, I knew I was born. Most of us don't know we're born when we're first born. Can I get an amen to that deep thought? When did you just, hey, dude, when did you discover you existed, man? Yesterday, man, discovered it yesterday on that good Kush stuff. You, it's legal now, by the way, and I discovered real life. Seriously, 10 million people listen to Joe Rogan say he finds new life through doing drugs. You think that's just funny? This is real life, though, right? Joe Rogan thought he found a new life in drugs. Millions listen to him every day. When did you find out you first existed? For me, somewhere in preschool-ish, four-ish. It's like, here I am hands, feet, family, house, son, right? Welcome to existence. So you live once. This is it. You're here now. You're here. How many are here? You're not a brain in a vat in an alien experiment, are you? Are you in the matrix? Now fry your noodle. Think about it and try to disprove you're not in the matrix, sir. Disprove it. Go. Hmm. Well, I feel and I touch. That's what they're doing in the matrix, making you feel and touch. But I have people around me. No, those people in the matrix too. The only way out of the matrix is God. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. He said, I'm not in the matrix. I believe it. So you're here now. Now guess what? You live in the shadow of death every day. All of us. Every day. I don't know how much to take these visions, but people have told me they've gone to heaven before, and I've heard them with a grain of salt. And one of the things that they said that fascinated me is, is that the smell of heaven is different than earth. And that would make sense. You know why? Because we're so used to death around us. Not just when you smell that skunk. That's really smelling death. But we smell it all the time. Your flesh is rotting. Your hair is rotting. Grass and things are rotting. Even when they're growing and, and living in somewhat of a good life, they're still rotting everywhere. Your food is rotting. How many know that smells when it comes out? And so here we are in life under the shadow of death. And Jesus is telling us, I've conquered death. 
I've conquered what you fear. I've rose again and I'm here to give you new life. And so that we don't just see the excitement of heaven, the apostles come and they teach us what heaven actually looks like. Because heaven is not just a destination. Heaven is a person. It's where God is. If God was not in heaven, it would be hell. Are you listening to me? Where God is not on earth, it is hell. Some people call this hell. I say, no, it gets a lot worse than this. Trust me. But what you are experiencing is where God is not. When we took the Bible out of schools, we replaced it with metal detectors. That's what hell looks like on earth. When we stopped living in families with our sexuality, we started cutting our bodies apart, not knowing genders, and now depression is among the groups of people with sexual confusion, identity disorder, and suicide. That's what death and hell looks like. It's not the fullness of it. It's what it looks like. Have you ever seen death and hell wreck a marriage through adultery and selfishness? Have you ever seen hell wreck a teenager's life and put them on the path of rebellion? Have you seen what happens when businesses get full of greed and politicians look out only for themselves? Which most here, and sinners not here, but in the world of sinners would do the same if they had the same power. They're no different than these wicked leaders. Give you the power of Trump, sir, you'd be touching people too. Give you the money of Beyonce, you'd be putting on horns worshiping the devil too. Most of us can't even handle our own paycheck. We blow it and waste it, let alone wealth and power. Without Christ, it's our destruction. So here we are living our lives and we're being tempted by all of these things. But in the end, the Bible says they lead to death. And here's our good shepherd. He's walking with us. And he's giving us an opportunity to walk with him. He will walk without you, though. As a bus here, will go without you. That bus will go without you. Can I hear an amen if you've missed a bus before? That bus will go without you. But you can get on that bus if you want. Jesus is going through this generation. And what is 80 years to us is a breath to him. And he is passing through this generation. And he's saying, walk with me. Come on, walk with me. Walk with me. Young and old, male and female, of every nation, tribe and tongue. He's saying, walk with me. And then you say back to him, whatever you say, right? Sometimes we say no, sometimes we say yes. How many have said yes to walking with Jesus? And then now what does he do? He says, listen. It's going to get real scary at times. And this shadow land, you're going to feel sad. You're going to feel angry. You're going to feel hurt. You're going to live through nightmares, some more than others. But he says to us, fear not evil, for I am with you. My rod and my staff, they will comfort you. And so we can then say back, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and staff, they do comfort me. And one day we'll have a table prepared before us, even in the presence of our enemies. He's asking us to live again. He's asking us to live again. He's asking us not to allow the fears and the sins of this world to cost us the second life. The second life is not in the metaverse. The second life is not on your computer. The second life is not in that marriage. The second life is living with the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, every day. And you willingly and I willingly, we bow down before him. We confess him, Lord. And we lavish on him our kisses of worship. 
and we say you are worthy. Why? Because you were a good man. No, many good men had come and failed. Why? Because you just did miracles. No, there were miracles before. But because you were and are the Son of God, crucified for my sins, that you were then buried so they would never come back again, and that when you were raised to life, I might be raised from the dead with you, and I might live a new life. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. New life. New life. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? New life, Jesus, came to me in 1995, Lord. I pray I never lose it. New life is coming to some of you right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, would you ask him into your heart as a king? As a Lord, would you confess him today to be the Lord of your life before the judgment comes? I plead with you, brother or sister, call out on Jesus. Ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you. If you've called yourself a Christian but you've been a hypocrite, you're not promised tomorrow, my friend. Repent today. Heaven is calling. Heaven is calling. God wishes none would perish, but you will have your choice in the end. A few moments right now, would you pray for those in this room that may be offended, but they need to get saved. Get over your offense. A preacher loved you enough to tell you the truth today. A preacher loved you enough to tell you as it is. Go back and search your scripture. See who's telling the truth. Don't take my word for it. And you have my word today. I'll join you at any Catholic church, in front of any mosque, in front of any other religion. I'll do Bible studies there with you so you can see it more. I'm not afraid of this gospel. I'll shine my light as bright as I can till he comes back. No one is deceiving you here. This is not emotionalism. We are pleading with you, though, to get right with God. A few more moments. Sinners, get right with God backsliders get right with God those who are complacent get right with God he loved you so much he sent Jesus there's nothing else for you other than Jesus stop asking for more signs stop asking for God to tickle your nose and send you an Easter bunny he died for you that's it he rose again there's nothing else for you if that's not good enough hell is your home a few more moments May Christ the Lord of your life today, Jesus. Jesus, you're so good. You save sinners. You save sinners, God. You save sinners like me. You save sinners like my family. You save sinners like those here today. Sinners worthy of wrath and destruction, yet you save us. Think about Adam. How many sins did he sin, my friend? And yet he was kicked out of, of, of uh, the Garden of Eden. We've seen nothing but destruction from them. God is a holy God. Not one sin is allowed. Repent of all of it today. You don't need a priest. You don't need a mediator. We have prayer workers. You can pray with them in a moment. But I ask you now, pray to God. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. That's the prayer we pray in repentance. Forgive me of my lust. Forgive me of my selfishness. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of my perversion. Forgive me of my creed, oh God. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. 
I'm going to sing that again as we're praying. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away, and cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. Before we go, we're going to pray for you. And then these altar workers are here for you, for anything, but especially for those who want to get right with the holy God, to live for Jesus, to seek him first. But before we go, I want you to search your heart. Is it clean? Is it clean? Remember I said in the sermon, probably the things you don't like about yourself the most is what God already calls a sin. That's the good news. What you're giving up is that which hurts you the most. Some of the other sins you may not agree with yet, but trust him. Trust him and watch what he'll do in your life. There's no one that I've ever seen confess Jesus as their Savior and confess their sins that truly regrets it. All backsliders are liars. I see them every day. They say, well, it didn't work for me. No, you're a liar. In the name of Jesus, you're a liar. I mean it honestly today, friends. All those who truly confess sins will always be grateful that they never have to do it again. It's not like you just want to go out and commit adultery. You'll be thankful I never got to commit adultery again. It's not like, oh, I just want to look at porn all day. No, you'll be happy you never look at it again. It's not like you want to be a wrathful person. No, you'll be happy you never have to have outbursts of anger again and act in wrath again. I'm telling you what it's like to be saved. A few more moments from the inside out, oh God. Create in us a clean heart. We're going to sing it one more time, and then we'll dismiss. But would you please search your heart? Whether you've never been a Christian before, or you've been walking that line back and forth, living in hypocrisy, it's time to grow up before God throws up. Don't make excuses. It doesn't matter how old you are, how sophisticated, or how young you are. Receive this today. It's the gospel. It's good news. It will change your life, but you have to want it. God won't fix your wanter. Your wanter is yours. Now, what do you want? Come and get it. I'm calling out. Create in me. This is what I want. Anybody else want it with me today? Oh, 